Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you guests and discussions that will challenge the way you think about your faith at work, today we have none other than Cindy Hesterman, local Vistage chair, in studio with me, live and in person, to talk about the role of integrity in the workplace, and many other things. Cindy Hestman, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. Now, I hope you still feel that way at the end of the show. <laughs> you know, it says in Proverbs 2, 20 through 21, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in the land. Cindy, before we get started with our discussion today, as I do with each and every guest, I always ask them, I always ask my guests, please tell me how Jesus Christ is making an impact on your life today. Jim, I see it every day. I Just last week, I was reading my daily devotion, and a, someone in my small group Bible study had a need and reached out, and the devotion I had read that morning was exactly what they needed to hear. So things like that happen to me all the time. It's just such a blessing to be able to be the conduit to help that happen. And it, it is. Those God-appointed, well, those God incidences are a privilege to be a part of each and every day. Yes. It, it's, it's pretty cool. So, Cindy, you're a Vistage chair, and people are going to go, hmm, that's pretty interesting. What kind of seat is that? No, we're talking about a, you lead a, an executive roundtable discussion group called Vistage, and you've been doing this for a lot of years already. Yes, almost 13. 13 years. Well, yeah. She started when she was 15. Yes, that's true. So tell me, what is, how did you get involved in Vistage? Well, interestingly, in the mid-90s, I was CFO of a company. And when I was hired on, the CEO who hired me said, hey, I want to get you into this executive leadership group. And I said, what is it? And he goes, oh, trust me, you'll like it. Well, I need more information. So he said, Because you were a CFO. Because I was a CFO. That's right. And so I said, hey, tell me about it. What's it like? And he said, you can share anything, personal, professional, all the information about the business, the financial statements and everything. We were privately held. So that was kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what kind of an organization is this? And he said, trust me, you'll love it. Go ahead and go. And so I went to my first meeting, and I absolutely loved it. And I was a member for four years. How I became a chair was during that time, we were merging into a bigger company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it never came up in our discussions. They knew they wanted me to be their CFO and take them public, but it never came up that they wanted us to relocate. (laughs) (laughs) Minor detail. And my husband and I had moved here from Indiana, did not want to go up north again. And uh, so I had one of those, oh, my, what are we going to do? Great opportunity, really was excited about it until then. And I had my key group meeting that week. And so I brought it to the group and I sprung it on them and said, what should I do? My husband and I don't want to relocate, but it's a great opportunity, you know, really exciting. And two guys in the room said, you should stop being a CFO and you should run groups like these. Not something I ever would have imagined, not something that had ever crossed my radar. And they gave me all the reasons why. And, of course, I proceeded to ignore them and listen to the rest of the group (laughs) (laughs) who told me to 
why don't you commute one week a month? So that's what I did. Well, fast forward five years later, my husband and I had our first daughter after 18 years of marriage. Wonderful blessing. Truly unexpected. We had kind of given up. And I realized I wanted to do something different. And so I mm-hmm. realized, hey, they had some good points. And being a Vista chair sounds like a great thing to do. And it's a way for me to give back and help people. And so I've been doing it ever since, and I absolutely love it. And you've never once missed that commute to Cambridge, Massachusetts, Not at all. Yeah, Cambridge is a really nice place in July and really not a nice place in January. Exactly. Mm. Plus the culture up there, slightly different than Florida or Indiana. Yep. I don't know if you noticed that when you're up there. Did you notice that? I did, although, you know, I was working crazy hours, pulling all-nighters and stuff like that. So you never got to really experience any of the really cool stuff in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah. The people up there are fantastic, but it is a different world. Martha and I lived on the East Coast for one year. It was a different... The Northeast is a very different place than Minnesota. Yep. Let's just put it that way. And Indiana's very much like Minnesota. So, okay, so... You lead these these executive roundtable discussion groups for Vistage. How are they similar and how are they different than other roundtable discussion groups that are out there? We're unique in that, well, we're a granddaddy of a lot of the groups. We've been around since 1957, uh, so we've been around for a really long time. But we combine one-to-one coaching, a professionally facilitated group, the group feedback, and then speakers from around the world. And we're actually the largest speakers bureau in the world. So we bring in this expertise who've written books or have, you know, taken their companies to the next level or done whatever they've done, who can share share their experience and their knowledge with everybody in the room. And we have 18,000 members in 16 countries. So if the group can't help someone with the challenge that they're facing, they can reach out to the other members throughout the world and get that resolved. Hmm. So it's, it's a little bit different in that way. We have all of those different aspects. There's some other great groups out there. I just encourage people, if you want to do something, do something that's right for you. And as long There's as lots of flavors yeah. out there. And as long as it's working for you, that's awesome. So talk about the expertise, because I always try to bring on guests that, that have some solid business expertise whose lives have been revolutionized by Christ. And, and you're really no different than that. When I met you four and a half years ago, <laughs> it's a little over four and a half years ago, you, know, you, you, you told me some of that story, and I'm glad to hear it again. But you bring a lot of expertise. I mean, the average CFO is not just a bean counter. Right. Because you can't just, and my, yes, if my sister's listening, that was not meant to be that way. Because she's a CFO too. You have to, I mean, you, you have to bring tremendous leadership skills to the, to the uh, part. You do bring all of the accounting side of it, but normally operations reports to the CFO, IT usually reports to the CFO, uh, and, and it, a lot of responsibility. The CEO usually has the easy job, the CFO usually has the hardest job. Yeah, you know, usually we're the bad guy. We're the one. Yeah, that you got to tell people no. no. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that's hard sometimes, especially when you want to you know do the right thing. But sometimes no is the right answer. But yeah, I had a lot of experience in acquisitions. I did over thirty five acquisitions in all the companies I was with. So I got to see all different environments and cultures and uh, what worked and what didn't. A lot of integrity issues came out there, and mm. it was very very interesting. And I observed some behaviors that I realized I had never seen before because I was blessed to work in a company that didn't have those same core values. Wow. Okay. So you actually worked for a a company that actually maintained moral-based core values. Yes. And you experienced then mergers and acquisitions of other companies that didn't necessarily represent that. Yes. And you saw the outcomes of a non-moralistic kind of culture. Yes. What was the biggest thing as we as we head up into our first break and then we'll get deep into this discussion. But as you compared the environment you had been operating in and started to experience this other environment, these other environments where, you know, 
biblical morality, a biblical worldview wasn't practiced. What, uh, what did you experience? Oh, all kinds of things. We were afraid to have them continue to sign their own checks because we were afraid they were going to commit fraud or embezzlement in some cases. That's how, how their lack of integrity was shining through bright and clear. Um, it was amazing in a couple of insta- instances that they had been in business as long as they had. You know, we were able to acquire them and convert them to our way of thinking. The employees all thanked us. Those that stayed, some left because they were part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that had that good core values stayed with us, which was cool. Yeah, that is, it's it's always fun when you an acquisition. I, in the late '80s, I was involved in several of them on the low end of the totem pole and got to experience that. But it was, you, some people got moved onto different seats on the bus, and some people got moved onto a different bus, and and that was always for the better of the organization. Yep. Tough though, and we and we really moved away from. I mean, I, I think with the ups tick of the economy, maybe some more of those mergers and acquisitions will happen in the next couple of years as cash becomes a little more free. Yes. But and, and so, okay, so looking at the integrity issue, you're you're leading this Vistage group, but it's not a biblical, it's not based on the Bible. I mean, it's not, it's not a Bible-centered organization like, and that wasn't meant to, that wasn't meant to come across negative, but it's, that's not the core values of it. However, you end up really being able to bring your faith into the forefront of a lot of what you talk about each and every month, right? Absolutely. And it's wonderful in the coaching sessions, the one-to-ones, that people can open up to me. Those that are struggling a little bit with their faith know that I'm a, you know, a Christian and know how strong my faith is, and they feel comfortable asking me questions or, or opening up to me about their struggles just so we can talk about them. And I'm not solving things for them. I'm their coach, but I can help them maybe gain clarity or guide them in the right direction. So do you ever have opportunities where you actually can give them scripture examples in order to help them out? Yes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll get them a book, because often a book can say it better than I can. And they can take it better from a book than from you yes. sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I've done that as well. So yeah, whatever you know, whatever they need at that point in time. Sometimes it's just being able to vent about a problem, and I'm there to listen. So you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a mentor, and counselor all in one. Yes. Nice. Wow, that sounds like an action-packed job. All right, when we come back, I really want to dig down deep into the the integrity issue and, and how you've seen it be executed in a positive way and some of the things that people can learn because that's really important. All right, Cindy Hesperin, we're back with you. You're a member of the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa yes, Bay. since day one. Since day, And actually before. Yes, Because we, we were together in that group called the Christian Business Connect. The Christian Business Connection. That's, what, that's yep. what it was. It's been so long. You know, and, and that was a group that God had Laurie start seven years ago, which led into the Christian Chamber. Yes, that is correct. Were you there at the last day? I don't remember it. I'm sorry. The day where I was sharing that five-year anniversary where I was sharing five ways to incorporate Christ in your workplace. Were you there? That? I was there. So uh, do you remember the moment when I sat? Now, you probably weren't watching. I sat down next to the only person in the room I didn't know and then ended up being the owner and general manager of this radio station. Really? That's why I'm on the radio. Because of what I shared that day, and I sat down next to her, and she turns her head to me, and she goes, Jim, you need to talk about that in the radio. I'm like, you're crazy. No way. I'm not doing that. Yeah, well, God had different ideas. So I'm not going to tell God anymore what I'm not going to do or do. I'll do whatever you want to do, Lord. Okay, so listen, right before the break, you were talking about how many times in your one-to-one time with your your business people that are in your roundtable discussion groups, you're often given an opportunity to share from your heart um, positive solutions and biblical solutions with people, whether you're outward biblical or inward biblical, but you're able to give them a moral solution to what they're looking for. 
Because sometimes in your world, you um, your faith can't be at the forefront of what you do. Or is, I mean, how how do you incorporate? Let, let's just do that because a lot of people out there that they're not in a Christ centered workplace, but they have an opportunity to bring their faith forward. Sometimes, how do you how do you handle that mix of being a Christ follower, leading a group of you know ten or twelve men and women? How do you incorporate that? I mean, what, what's your what's your mindset? Well, I lead by example. So I'm not a preacher. I'm not going to tell them what they have to believe, um, but I'll share what I believe, and I'm comfortable doing that when the time is right. So one of the, th- the, one of the ways I got started in this, because that was awkward at first, how do I bring my faith into my workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, I write an annual goal letter, and I have all of my members write a goal letter as if it's the end of next year, and they're writing it to themselves. So, dear Cindy, congratulations on an awesome year. These are all the things you accomplished. And my letter is quite lengthy. Uh, my members kind of get overwhelmed by the length of my letter, but I want it to be very thorough. And I have an entire page on my spiritual goals. And so I really go into detail about my financial spiritual goals, my devotion, you know, daily devotional, my prayer life, and my involvement with my church. And I have very specific goals about that. And what's interesting is quite a few of my members have started to copy that. And so they never mentioned their spiritual life in their goal letter previously. And over the years, almost all of them have some aspect of their goal letter that's around their spiritual life. Well, I got to imagine that as you, you're dealing with executives, you know, people up in the C level within yes. the organization, right? Yes. And I got to imagine most of them have figured out by now that that they're never totally satisfied with what they'd be satisfied with. And yes. they, they figure there's got to be more. Yes. Because they can make more money and it never satisfies. They can get a higher position than it never satisfies. That there's got to be something else. And so really, you you backdoored them on the, the whole getting them to recognize the spiritual aspect of life. Yes, and I even had one member, and this cracked me up. It was about five years ago. And he said, well, I guess I better put my spiritual goals in because everybody else is. <laughs> <laughs> and that means I guess I better make it a priority. And he had he had been faithful, but had never made it a priority. And now it's you know it's really something we discuss regularly in his one to ones. Now, uh, how I'm sure you get a chance to meet on an annual basis, at least with other Vistage uh, roundtable leaders. How how have you been able to influence them to do some of the same things? Did that you guys ever share stuff back and forth? We absolutely do. We actually meet every two or three months. Oh, often in then. Florida, yeah. And then, well, of course, everybody wants to come to Florida. No. Hey, can we meet in January? What I mean is the chairs in Florida. Oh, okay. So there's about 45 chairs in the state of Florida. And then internationally, we meet about every two years. Uh, a group of us meet every year in Boulder, Colorado. But we're the chairs that have been sharing for 10 years or longer. In the summertime, I bet, in Boulder, Colorado. Yes, in June. It's beautiful. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, so yes, we do share best practices all the time. And it's interesting. I've come to know which of my fellow Florida chairs are Christian and which ones aren't. And those that are Christian and I tend to bond a little bit more. Sure. Um, I really respect some of the others as well. But we have this different connection, and we'll send each other. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my members was struggling with something, and I reached out to a couple of chairs that I knew had a strong Christian faith, and they sent me some resources I could share with my member. Okay, so Cindy, we're talking about integrity today, but I, I really, your role as a mentor, counselor, your group leader, there's some there's some skills that you have to have. And there's a lot of people out there today that operate in that role. I mean, I, I've operated as a mentor to a lot of people unintentionally over the years. <laughs> Sometimes good, sometimes bad. I apologize if it was bad. You've got some skills that are really good, and I wanted to talk about why these are necessary. I mean, why is it necessary that you've got the ability to ask tough questions with these business leaders? Because no one else asks them those tough questions. And if I don't do it, they're never going to get down to what's holding them back 
or what is making them less successful than they could be. And so, you know, they might share a symptom, but if we don't drill down and, and diagnose the real problem, it's never going to get resolved. And so my role as a chair is to really challenge them and push them. One of the words I love that we use in Vistage all the time is called carefrontation. And we challenge <laughs> like them. Carefrontation. them because we care. And we want them to be successful. So if we're not asking them the tough questions, then no one else is. Now, have you had the opportunity where you've recognized that maybe somebody was considering or contemplating or already had compromised their integrity, and you had to ask them the tough questions to help them realize that? Not so much with my members. I have seen that, though, with their employees, where mm. their employees maybe violated some, you know, integrity, un unintentionally. Sure. Um, and the member was struggling with it and couldn't realize why they were struggling with it. And so we reviewed their core values. And most of my members have integrity as a core value. Many of them define it differently. So you have to be careful there because a lot of people define integrity in different ways. But at the, at the heart of it, that employee had violated that core value. And that's why the member was struggling. And they didn't realize why they were struggling with it. Uh, the, the definition of integrity that I like to hold on to is doing the right thing even when nobody is looking. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's, that's really the definition of integrity when you really look at how God looks at it. He just expects us to do the right thing. All right, so you're asking these tough questions. But in a lot of leaders, I love this next one, that you're really good at challenging and encourage people to be more effective leaders. Why is it our leaders today don't spend time investing in themselves to be better leaders. I mean, you've got people in your group, so you know people that are willing to invest in it. But I run into people all the time, and they're like, yeah, I'm not really, I just got put here. I'm, and, and they're not investing in it. Yeah. And, you know, God doesn't make us perfect, unfortunately. Uh, we're all imperfect, right? So, <laughs> there's so much I can say about that. That's right. <laughs> so there's lots of material to work with, with everybody. And, you know, I meet people all the time and talk to them about Vistage, and some people say, you know, I don't need that. You know, I already have it all figured out. And I'm thinking, wow, isn't that great for you? And boy, are you fooling yourself. But if that's the way they feel, then obviously that, you know, Vistage isn't right for them. Well, and, and to learn leadership, I don't, you can't just figure it out because it changes every day. And every person you lead is different. Yeah. And you talk about incorporating integrity and leading people that you leading people with integrity. That's the biggest thing I see that's lacking in our culture today is we no longer encourage our leaders to lead with integrity and humility. Right. It's all about them. And a leader where it's all about them, the company is bound for failure because then everybody else says it's all about them all the way down the organization. It's a disaster. All right, but the goal setting thing, I love that. I love that. And I'm going to use that in case my very special listener is listening tonight, that annual goal letter, writing it as if it's the end of next year. Yeah, we'll be going through that exercise tomorrow. I love that. That is powerful. Yeah. Well, it's reinforcing because we, we read them out loud with each other, and you share them with the whole group. So now it's out there, <laughs> <laughs> which means you're going to work on it. And we work on it at least quarterly, if not more frequently. Do you record it so you can play it back the, the next uh, quarter? We haven't recorded it, but that'd be a good idea. But everybody has a copy of each other's goal letter. Oh, they share it, yes, the goal letter. Oh, they nice. share it, yes. All right, You put the last thing on your put on effective listening. Now, that's pretty easy for – well, it's not easy for a woman to do, but effective listening. Really quick, what does it mean to be an effective listener? It means not putting your agenda in, listening to what they're trying to tell you. All right, we've been talking for the last half hour with Cindy Hesman, local Vistage chair, about the role of integrity in the workplace. We've also talked about her role as a mentor and some of the skills she brings to the table. Cindy Hesman, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. 
you know, one of the things you said in the last half hour, we have to, for all those listeners just tuning in, they just got off work, they're turning on the radios or getting in the car, those people that can find the AM dial, they, this, this goal setting thing, I, you brought it up and it's got to be said again. You don't have people just write goals for January 1 no. with hope of what they're going to see. How do you do it again? No. So in December, they write their letter to themselves as if it were the end of next year. So the letter is dated December 31st, 2015. Dear Cindy or Dear Jim. Uh, and then they outline all of their goals, business and personal and spiritual, for those that want to participate in that part of it. Um, and it's as if they accomplish it. So they're having a celebration as they're writing the letter. Wow, it feels great to have finally gotten that thing done, you know, the thing that they've been struggling with. And it has to be specific, measurable, achievable, results-oriented, and have specific dates. Oh, say the, you said those yeah. words way too smart. fast. Specific, smart. Measure, smart. Okay. Specific. So specific. Measurable. Mm-hmm measurable achievable achievable in so other in words, other words yeah. yeah if i was going to say at my age i've never run a marathon but i'm going to run a marathon in february that's not achievable well you could do it you might die of a heart right. attack <laughs> um but certainly by the end of the year if i worked up to it i could so it has to be achievable specific measurable achievable results oriented so results. what is the outcome you're looking for what is the result you want to achieve? And then time specific. What is the date? What is the target date? So if it's February 6, 2015 or November 23rd, 2015, put that in the letter. And goal setting applies to everybody. And I told you we might end up on a tangent today. And this is absolutely one of them because what you said is so powerful. Goal setting is for everybody. Whether you run your own business, you work within a business, or you're an at-home mom, goal setting is super important. Right. Probably more so in the mom world than any other world, because the goal is to raise your child to love Jesus Christ before he, exit, he or she exit the household when they're 18. That is the most important thing you do. And so to set a goal on how you're going to get that child there, that's really important. But I love that. So you're going to write the letter to yourself as if it's the end of next year already, almost like your Christmas letter 2015. Yes. Here is how cool 2015 was, and here's all the things we accomplished. Yes. And you're, you're kind of bragging about it because you're trying to reinforce the feeling you'll have when you do accomplish those things. So if you're in the midst of goal setting, or if you're not, you should be starting it for tomorrow. That's for sure, especially if those people are listening who are going to be going through this exercise tomorrow. You... To, to write the letter to yourself on, here's how we accomplished it in 2015. Yes. I just love that. Specific, smart. I'm going to put this on the website tonight. Specific, measurable, achievable, results-oriented, and time-specific. I know that's not new ideas, but I just love that. Yes. Very, very It's good. very powerful. And again, if you then share that letter with someone else. So if you are a mom, share it with your kids or share it with your spouse or share it with your best friend or all of the above. Um, some of my members, most of my members share it with their spouse. And then they come back and go, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you, you had three different categories. You had the spiritual category, which I liked a lot. And then you had the other two categories. Personal and professional. Personal. That makes sense. Professional and spiritual. Okay. All right. So it's almost like the wheel that Ross uses at C12. He does this uh, wheel of life. How's your wheel and balance or out of balance? Yep. Did they... Did they get that from Vistage? Well, I don't know. I've done that same presentation. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows which came first, chicken or the egg? But, the chicken or the egg. But the point is the goal letter can encompass, or encompass all kinds of areas of your life. So if you have more, you know, you have physical and you want to break that out of your personal life, that's fine. If you have community service, I have a community service section of my goal letter. So expand it or 
you know, condense it as is appropriate for you. Hey, so if you're following us on Facebook at I Work the Number Four Him on Facebook, please, if you don't, please like us on Facebook. But Martha's already got it fi- posted on Facebook. This whole, did you, and we just got to find it. Did you put the letter thing too? I love that. All right. So specific, measurable, achievable, results oriented, time specific. All right. Let's talk about integrity. The goal setting is fantastic because it is almost the end of the year, but let's talk about integrity. Because this is something when I said, hey, Cindy, what do you want to talk about? He said, boy, I'd really like to talk about the role of integrity. Because obviously you've seen the good and the bad of it. Yes. What, what, what brought that to the center of your heart? What, what, what's, why, is, why is that churning within you? Well, you said pray about it, and I did. So I don't really know what God has in mind, uh, but that's what I heard. So that's what we're talking about. I think part of it is because I have run into more, more people lately who've encountered this lack of integrity uh, in their workplace, with coworkers, uh, with friends. Uh, I've experienced it myself. If you look at it in the way of someone commits to do something, and then they not only don't do it, but they kind of drop off the face of the earth. They're the ones that said they were going to do it. It's not like I said, can you do this for me? Um, And then they just disappear. I mean, I worry about them. And then I find out later, oh, I just didn't want to do that. Well, then why did you say it? You know, why would you say something that you don't intend to follow through on? So I look a good at, Bible story like that. Yeah. Jesus talks about the two sons. The father asks one to go out in the field and do the work, and he says, you bet, and he never does it. And then the other one he asks, and he says, no way, and he ends up going to do it. Which one actually did what the father said for him to do? Right. Well, the second one, who said no first? Right. So so I look at integrity in multiple ways. It's, it's not only doing the right thing, but it's doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And obviously, there's things that happen or things that come up. You get sick or whatever, but... If you are living in integrity, you're going to tell the person, hey, I'll get that to you. Or, hey, I, I, I intend to follow up. This, this just dropping off of communication drives me crazy, and I know it drives others crazy. But I've seen, you know, there's companies that go out of business because of issues with integrity. The worst thing in the world is when a leader doesn't have integrity and their employees f- figure that out. The good ones leave. The good ones don't want to stay in that environment. And the bad ones stay. So guess what happens? It cascades through the whole organization. Exactly. The lack of integrity always starts. If it starts at the top, it always rolls all the way to the bottom. Yep. So you end up with a company full of people that, you know, don't have the right moral standards. All right. But if you, so you're working, if you're working with people who don't have a biblical basis for morality, what integrity means to one person doesn't necessarily mean integrity to another person because there's no biblical basis for it. The God's not part of their issue. The God's not part of that argument. So how do you explain integrity to people? Well, I, again, I don't tell them. I ask them, what does it mean to you? And then that's why I'll never be a good counselor. (laughs) (laughs) I am a questioner. I am not a preacher. And so I ask them, what does integrity mean to you? How do you define it? And then how do you know if you're meeting that expectation? And what's interesting is even my members that aren't Christian, most of them have a strong faith. And so if they're Jewish, they, you know, base their integrity guidelines on the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and what laws that they're following there. Um, Those that have other faiths usually have something similar. And so if they believe um, that they are in integrity, whatever that is defined to them, and I see that they are, then, you know, I can't really challenge that, that Mm. aspect of it. The integrity issue, I mean, it's one of those things where there used to be, you could always count on the integrity of the, the office of the President of the United States. You could always count on the integrity of, you know, of, of people in high position. And now we question integrity from the top to the bottom. Well, just after all the political ads, I mean, I don't know about Ugh. you, 
but I'm so I don't have TV anymore. (laughs) All I have is Netflix, and they don't play commercials. I love that. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I really don't have TV. It's ridiculous. It's setting such a bad example for people. I mean, I hate that my daughter is hearing these messages where people just, you know, are saying whatever they want to say. And I have friends that ran for office locally, and some of their competitors or the people they were running against lacked integrity, and it became apparent in debates. But at one debate, they said one point of view, and the next debate, they said another point of view. It's just, you know, it's crazy that people don't have any shyness about sharing their inconsistencies in public. When you look at the impact of integrity or lack of integrity on the workplace, do you think it impacts the bottom line? Absolutely. How? Well, as I mentioned, if it comes from the leader on down, the good employees leave. Customers aren't going to stay doing business with a company if they don't think that they can trust the deadlines, if they don't think they're going to get good quality support and service. I mean, it's obviously going to impact the the bottom line. And I find that people that lack integrity kind of have a lackadaisical attitude at times. So they don't really care if they're having a lot of waste or spending a lot of extra money because it's not their money. Well, uh, yes. And for those leaders, they're like, well, I don't want to really deal with it because it'll make me feel guilty. I don't want to talk about integrity. All right, so when we come back, more on integrity. All right, we're going to take a break. We're talking with Cindy Hesterman, local Vistage chair, about the role of integrity in the workplace and also goal setting for 2015. Don't go away. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Your Proverbs for Business segment brought to you by Business His Way. Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty but humility goes before honor. Do you spend time at work with your staff or just with your peers? One of the most effective management tools you can buy is a comfortable pair of shoes. Then get out where the action is and talk to employees at every level of the company. Show genuine interest, listen to their concerns, and encourage feedback. If you associate only with other managers, you're missing a great opportunity to build your business. Million-dollar suggestions can come from the office, factory, warehouse, or loading dock. No position is too lowly to yield good ideas. If you take time each week to manage by wandering around, not only will employee morale improve, you will be surprised by the dividends it will return to your business. Proverbs 18.12, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Welcome back to the I Work For Him show. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Thanks for listening, Tampa Bay and around the world. I'd like to thank Business His Way at businesshisway.us for bringing us that Proverbs for Business segment. All right, we've been talking with Cindy Hesterman, local Vistage chair. If you don't know what Vistage is, it's a round executive roundtable discussion group designed specifically for helping... Well, Cindy, why am I explaining what you do? <laughs> Cindy, welcome back to the show. What is Vistage all about, and, and how do people find out about it? Well, you can go to vistage.com. Or you can give me a call, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well, Cindy Hesterman, and you can find me that way. But it's really a roundtable for CEOs and business owners, and we also have a key executive group, which is how I got exposed to the organization years ago. Uh, We meet for a full day once a month, so it's pretty time-intensive. We add two hours of executive coaching, one-on-one with me, and then bring in speakers from around the world. So it's speaker-driven, and it's topic-driven based on the needs of the group. So no competitors in the room. It's a real good way to gain some perspective and grow. Ah, you keep competitors out of the room. That's good. That's pretty cool. That way people can be totally honest. That's why you said what you said earlier about, you know, your boss told you you could share anything. Yes. Financials. We share financials. 
So people have to be willing to, you know, to share. And the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's how you grow, is by sharing. Well, and you talk about the good, bad, and the ugly. We've been talking about integrity. And, and a lot of times you'll see, sometimes it's easier to see the forest for the trees when you're not in it. And a lot of times people have a hard time seeing their own lack of integrity in their own business, but it's easy for them to see lack of integrity in other people's businesses. Yes. So do you ever see that come up in conversations? Yes. Um, you know, all of us fall short. So there are times... Yeah, that'd be Romans yeah. 3.23. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, so you know, we're human, we're, we're sinful, and it's going to happen. Well, I don't know about you, but... The yes. point is, do you do it intentionally? Do you do it repetitively? And if you start finding that you're not being yourself, if you're not the same person at church that you are in the workplace, I think you need to have some, you know, ask yourself some tough questions. Why is that? What's going on that's making you uncomfortable in one place or another? I mean, usually it's the workplace that people are, are being their false self, but, you know, sometimes at church, too, uh, depending on their church relationships. Well, so, yes, sometimes it's the people that they are themselves at work. When they go to church, they put on a pretend face. Right. And uh, obviously those are – every time I've met somebody who's, whose life has been impacted by Christ – they struggle with this because we've all been taught. Okay, I don't know, I guess not all, but many people have been taught, okay, my work life doesn't apply to my Christianity. So I, I know how it applies to Sunday, and I pretty much get how it applies at night, but I'm not sure how to apply it Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or as most people work, 7 to 10. You know? Right, right. And so if if that's you, you know, question yourself. What's going on? What can I do? How can I be myself and find out my true self and be that person all the time? Because you never know when the person who's working next to you is struggling with the exact same thing. And if they see you speak up and say, hey, I'm not comfortable with that, or hey, I've, you know, I've been, you know, not been myself and here's what I want to do about it, it might change the culture of the organization. It might change someone else's life. They might say, I want to be like you. So I have, and that would be a, a great privilege to be able to be that kind of an example. Have you seen the positive cascade effect? Have you ever seen the light bulb go off in a CFO or CEO's head going, hmm, I didn't realize I was compromising my integrity by what I was doing. And have, have he or she recognize that and share that with the organization and, and see the positive wave go through the organization? Have you ever seen that? Absolutely. You know, people make promises when times are good. And then times as we had the downturn, that's when I saw a lot of it. You know, times got tough and people didn't want to fulfill the promise they had made because they couldn't financially. They were under such pressure. And instead of coming right out and just telling their employees, hey, we're in a tough spot, they kind of kept the facade going, thinking, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be able to do this. Well, when they couldn't pay those bonuses or they couldn't keep all those people employed, they had to fess up. And so we had lots of really good conversations about how that was really a lack of integrity at that point in time. They had committed to something and they weren't following through. And so recognizing that and and confessing to their workforce, here's where we are, here's what I'm struggling with, I don't have all the answers, but this is where I want to go and I want to, you know, I just want to be candid with you, opened up all kinds of things. I had members whose employees volunteered to take pay cuts across the board to keep the business going. So they were disappointed they weren't going to get the bonus they had been promised, but they understood it because the CEO, you know, told them the truth. And as a result, they survived. And when times got better, they they reinstated all that back pay and they gave bonuses. It was a wonderful thing and it really bonded the team. And out of a thousand employees, they lost one. Wow. During that's, that process. That's huge. Yeah. So again And that one person left because they thought they'd get a better job somewhere else and they're still unemployed. Right. <laughs> 
But again, it's just, you know, that you can't always keep all the commitments that you make because circumstances change. That's not a lack of integrity itself. It's when you don't admit to it or you don't, you know, say what's going to happen or what's changed and confess that. Mm. That's where the integrity issue comes into play. So, well, And that's pretty cool that you can facilitate that and help people just look. And so in your roundtable discussions, do, do those kinds of moral issues come up where people are like, you know, they share a business situation and they're wanting some feedback from other people? Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it comes into play during a business transaction. So they are doing a big deal. They're purchasing something big from a competitor or something like that or purchasing another company. And there's a, an easier way to get something done. And yet it's not necessarily the right thing to do. You know, it's it's not wrong. It's not illegal or anything like that. But it's just one of those gray areas. And if they, I encourage them to bring it to the group, and we have those conversations. How are you going to, you know, how are you going to feel afterwards? How are you going to feel when you look that person in the eye mm. um, and know that you didn't do everything you could have done? Okay, so have you seen the opposite effect where where somebody decided to compromise your integrity and it really destroyed their company? Up to that point in time, they maintained a certain level of integrity. Then they compromised because they thought. Well, I can just do it this one time, and it and it really started to disintegrate the very foundations of their company. You ever seen that? I haven't seen that with my members, but in, in my previous life when I was doing those acquisitions, I saw that happen with some companies we did not acquire. So we'd go in and look at them and do due diligence, and then we decide not to acquire them, and um, saw one of them that that happened to. It was interesting, too. I got a call, and this is an aside, got a call when I was on the road, and somebody was expressing interest in Vistage. He was a CEO of a pretty good-sized company and was asking me questions. And when I said, well, we share financials, he said, well, what if you don't want to share financials? And I said, well, then you can't be in my group because that's part of the deal. You know, that's what helps you. And he really had this thing about not sharing the financials, and something just told me he is not a good person <laughs> to hang around. But it was a big company, and it was really a, a well-known company. And uh, literally a month later, front-page headlines, he had embezzled $5 million and escaped the country. So obviously he had a concern about sharing those financials, and I would not have wanted to work with him. Oh, my. Well, no, actually, you would want to work with him because try to help him realize it before he screws up the rest of his life because now he screwed up the rest of his life. Right. Over $5 bucks that won't ever last you. Anyway, that's just tough. Cindy, it's great conversation. Talk about goal setting, talking about integrity. We've got it. We're coming to the end of another show, but I really want to thank you for that conversation. It, it's good, and it's great to see how how you're working your faith into the conversations intentionally uh, each and every day, each and every month with these groups. Uh, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, it, it, and you're kind of backdooring people, and I love that because people need to understand that that. The God of the Bible is relevant to every part of their lives, but sometimes you need to introduce some, introduce God in a different way in order to be able to get people's attention. I love that. Yes, I, I call it planting the seed. Planting, that's what Jesus called it, I that's think. Right. Planting the seed, that's right. All right, coming up on the next I Work For Him show, Martha and I will be talking about a favorite topic of ours. I'm dreaming of a stress-free marriage, God's priorities in our lives. In fact, I might even sing tomorrow on the show. All right, we keep talking about Christ followers on the show. And here's my question for you. Are you a Christ follower? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you realized that you needed a Savior and trusted in Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life? Listen, it's simple. we got sin in our lives. Because of that sin, we can't have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, but Jesus paid the price so we could. If you haven't ever had a conversation with somebody about that, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it, connect you up with Martha if you're a young lady and you like to talk to Martha. Just email me. That's the most important decision of your entire life. Hey, thanks, Cindy Hesterman, local Vista chair, for being a part of today's show. Thank you, Jim. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.